Hi, Jensel. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Great. I am so excited to have you on the show. I know we've talked about this for a while, <laughs> uh, but why don't we get started with you telling listeners a little bit about yourself and your story? Yeah. Hi, I'm Janzel Manalunson. I am actually turning 32 tomorrow. Um, yeah. Happy early birthday. I, thank you. Thank you. I am honestly wandering through life. It feels like sometimes it's always easier to explain it backwards, but I think it's important to start with like who I am. Um, I am Filipino American first gen, very like normal person, I guess who would follow this podcast. I'm the oldest and I have a younger sister that I was always told to be a role model for. And that just ended up being like very difficult as a first gen through like everything. Um, I don't think I really noticed how difficult it was until I went to college. Uh, I went to UC Davis and ended up getting a political science degree. And then after that, like just like going to college, even FAFSA and getting a job was hard. I didn't even know I needed an internship and kind of just like stumbled my way through corporate America. Um, I'm currently in tech, but I had started my, my, my career in law and just kind of pivoted about every 15 months and happy, well, happily figuring it out still as like a project manager in this space and hoping to still grow in that area. Great. I love that. You know, it's like, you know, it, it's, uh, first of all, every 15 months. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about, about that. Um, but I like how you said, you know, like, like, you know, like filling out the FAFSA and like filling everything out. Like, yeah, I didn't have very much guidance. I actually, this weekend, I was on a call with my little cousin who is a senior in high school for like 45 minutes, just walking her through the honors program that I did and the different applications and the, and the scholarships. And I was like, wow, like this is, I thought, oh, it's just going to be like a 10 minute call. No, we were on the phone for 45 <laughs> minutes because it was so important, you know? Yeah. And it was, and it was so many of this, like this little pieces that I didn't realize you know, like add up, but like, of course I realize it because this is why I have this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, thankfully as first gens, there's like office of first gen student experience, you know, like a lot of large universities have it, but then we graduate and are thrown through to the wolves. Pretty much. Yeah. I, uh, I was in Canada and met some of my cousins that were born much after me. So they're like, oldest is like 23 and talking about college as well. And it's crazy, like how much more of a conversation I could have with them now had I met them like 10 years ago, I probably would have just been like, oh, do your best, go to office hours, uh, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, that's the kind of advice that you and I had and, and you know, mm -hmm. we've made it. Yeah. So, and, and just think about how much of a leg up we're giving, you know, like our cousins and the next generation. Yeah, that makes me, well, we didn't have it. So it makes me want to like make sure they have it at least. Yeah same um all right so tell us about your you know pivot every 15 months <laughs> yeah well my degree from davis i wasn't technically allowed to do something that wasn't doctor lawyer engineer i'm sure that's like a very common story a lot of folks had but i had started with a civil engineering major and it was just way too hard like the public school that i went to didn't really do great for like science and math and then it really showed by the time i went to university of california so those classes were just super difficult and on top of that like i was the only girl it, like i think the intro to civil engineering class had like 250 students and like four girls so that was just like definitely feeling quite othered um had a hard time with the engineering classes but then basically 
found a way to not do engineering because I wasn't going to be good at it and switched to political science. And that was like not not only because I wanted to do it, but, you know, the calculus of like, I've already done so many credits in this one thing for general ed. So doing that. And I, d- I have always had an interest in like public service, at least what I thought it was from watching movies or, you know, support the, support the small people. Like we can do that. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that you had to like get jobs or internships in that space. And when I left college, I had a public service degree and Davis has this program where you do like one quarter with 40 hours a week at like a like public state agency. And at the time I worked for the California Arts Council and I really liked it. But at the same time, it's like they only have jobs when they have openings and like the Arts Council didn't have that. So I was like, okay, well, I figured out how to get an internship at the very like last quarter and then had to move home because I couldn't afford like living in Sacramento. So I moved back home to San Diego and was like, well, it seems like the next logical step is I should go be an attorney. Um, but I was like, I don't think I want student debt. At this time, I didn't have any student debt, really grateful to my immigrant parents who saved a bunch of money. So I wouldn't have to do that. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll just work at law firms and try it out, which I think was was good. So I worked at a small law firm while doing a, a second job at Starbucks because it was just part-time and then had through a connection at Starbucks actually, but the Starbucks at UC Davis, I got a job at a big law firm called Oric. They do um, corporate transactions. So then I did a co- coordinator position for them for a while. But yeah, this 15 month marker that I'm telling you, I think it's because I think like the first three months of a job is just kind of figuring it out. Six, the six months mark is like, you kind of know what you're talking, what you're talking about and you know kind of who you need to like be friends with or like what the job is. And then at the year mark, you kind of know like what the next step is. At least this is what I've seen like prior. And at that big law firm, it was just like a cog in the wheel type of deal. Um, and I wasn't quite sure. And at the time, like, as we mentioned, I didn't know you could just like network within a company to go get a different job. It was just like, oh, no, I guess I'm not going to get promoted here because uh, the friend who had referred me was like one step above. It was very like Devil Wears Prada, where she was like the first assistant and I was the second assistant. And the first assistant wasn't going to leave and I wasn't going to oust her. So I was like, I need to go figure something out. Um, and at the time, I realized all the lawyers I worked with hated their jobs. So I was like, okay, well, I don't think I want to be an attorney or get the like even more student debt to go. And then, so I I signed up to do paralegal school because I figured that would be it. And then I moved back home to San Diego to do the paralegal school thing, but I had a gap. I went, went back to work for my old firm and I was like, I think I'm just doing this because I don't know what to do. And that's like not a good reason to like, I mean, that's a good enough reason for some, but I didn't think it was a good enough reason for me. But I took the time, I just stayed at my old law firm, worked that job and kind of did some soul searching and didn't go to paralegal school. Um, and then I had a long distance boyfriend at the time who was living in the Bay and his job was in tech. And we had to close the distance, I'd probably have to move to the Bay because he wasn't going to come to San Diego. And I just had to like put the thinking cap on. And it was like, I guess I'm going to transferable skill my way into a tech job because that's what people do there. And and since I was doing like executive assistant, admin assistant type work at both little law firms, I was like, I guess I'll just try to do this at a startup and then got a job at a small 20 person series A startup. And that that started the whole tech company do that 15 month transitions in the Bay Area now. Okay, great. I just want to like touch on a couple of things that you said. So first of all, thank you so much for um for just walking us through that. And like you said, like I also didn't know that you could network 
within, <laughs> you know, your company. And I love that you said that it was your connection at Starbucks that was like, hey, come work over here, <laughs> you know, because sometimes people like think that networking is this like foreign thing or that it has to be stuffy, but like really anytime that you're talking to people that you're vibing with, that's building relationships. That's your network. Like mm -hmm. that, those are the people, those are the connections that matter. You know, like it's, um, if you think of networking as like an activity that you have to go do versus just part of being a human, then yeah, of course it's going to feel like, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, one of the things that I always tell people is to talk to people who have the jobs you're exploring. And so I love that you said, like, all the lawyers that you knew hated their jobs, <laughs> and that's how you knew you weren't going to do it. And I'm like, great. You know, I'm so glad you had that experience before. Because imagine if you went to either, you know, paralegal school or law school and became a lawyer, and it's like, wow, I hate it here. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so then, okay. So you were in a different, um, you know, like, so you were in law kind of public service. I think a lot of us start off in public service. You said, you know, like you, like the Heart of gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, when you were saying, you know, like doctor, lawyer, engineer, like when I was growing up, it was very much like doctor, lawyer, teacher. Uh, I think the teacher part was the, the Mormon part. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> um, yeah. So I didn't even know there was like other things that you could do. Like, I didn't know there were other careers. Like I really thought all the careers out there were doctor, lawyer, teacher. Um, so, okay. So then you transition into a startup. Um, what was that like? And also you moved to the Bay for love. Yeah. For, for love. <laughs> I guess there's a happy ending because we're married now. So that was a good move <laughs> in the long term. But yeah, uh, the startup was crazy, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm very structured and organized. And I feel like all those, I hate cliches, but like cliches are cliches for a reason. Like that the startup was just craziness. Like the wear many hats, do lots of things. But I think I liked it because it was like that. And I was like, kind of what was what I must have been like 23 24 so young super hungry and like that was a good place to be young and hungry because you could just kind of do anything that you wanted at that company I was supporting our CEO and our CTO at the time but it was like 20 people so it's like kind of supporting everybody like if you're you're helping someone have an on-site that day for the recruiter but then like the engineering team needs help with this so you do that um I really enjoyed moving that company. They had, um, they moved from a really like lame um, suburb to a really cool place in like Palo Alto next to a train. So like I got to move that whole company over that time and just generally like learn a bunch. Um, something that I like about the Bay is the network thing. But when you are just with founders, they know other founders and then they have all these like VCs. So we, I, I'd get into invited to events that like our CEO would go to and she was awesome. So she would always like take me to like other places. And like what you said, I wasn't networking. I was literally like one, going to work and then two, just meeting a bunch of people that were like really cool. And like, I, I liked what we were doing. My, my female founder was very into women in STEM. So she had like a women in STEM mentorship program that she ran. So it was just like a really cool place to have started like my tech career. Um, something I'm really happy about that job too is I started making 70K and I got a raise at like the seven month mark because I was really sneaky <laughs> and found out like there's like tables where they make or they show how much you're supposed to pay people per round. And I had access to everything. And I was just like, what? They're going to pay basically two separate people to do my job. 
So I asked my, I just asked my boss about it. And then, so they raised my pay to, I think like 85 at like that seven month mark. So like in that job, I learned, I do like knowing when I can know things. So that was just like a great, like leverage point for me. Oh, okay. What? (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) How did I not know this? Please tell me more. So you were... Okay, hold on. I need to to calm down because (laughs) multiple women of color have told me like, Carla, when I left that job, they hired multiple people. They hired three people to do my job. And so you telling me that you were doing the job and that they were going to hire two different people to do your job. I think they had, I don't know if that was, maybe I'm misrepresenting it, but it was basically like a table of like what they were supposed to pay, like engineers versus like recruiting coordinator versus recruiter. And then the job that I was doing was technically executive assistant plus office manager. And then so in that table, they had had it built out as if it was two separate jobs. And then like, but I'm so like, that was valued at some reason as like a separate, separate job. When I got the role, it was technically combined. So it's not like they were like bamboozling me, but it was just like seeing that it was like actually split out and these were like two separate roles and I was like excelling at it. So it just seemed like, yeah, pay me more. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So from 70 to 85 K that's 15 K that's like over 20% increase, you know, just for, for a salary within, for a salary increase within the same company. That Mm -hmm. is fantastic. Um, like really, really great. A lot of people try to like when you're going from one company to another, that's what you should be aiming for. Um, and so I think it's really cool that you were able to advocate for yourself and like leverage the knowledge that you found. Um, how did you, I mean, can you share a little bit more about how, I mean, it doesn't sound like it came from a malicious place. Like let's start no, there, you know? I and mean, it, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no. Well, I was going to say like, it doesn't sound like it was coming from a malicious place, but a lot of these things are never from you know like from malicious places and yet they predominantly affect children of immigrants people of color people who have already like multiple marginalized identities yeah I I don't I mean I don't think what I had access to is something like a lot of people would in general like I'm sure that tape like that that chart I had seen was supposed to be kind of private (laughs) but I Something that I've learned from being an executive assistant is it is definitely more so like a relationship versus like a job, more so than other other jobs, at least that I've experienced. So I had a relationship with my manager, but it was pretty much like she was she was the other relationship I was in that I'd moved to the Bay for. So I knew that piece of it. And I knew that she was happy with my performance, like because I would ask for feedback like every day. So when I had I had the actual conversation with her, it was just like, you're happy that I'm working here, right? Am I doing a good job as an executive assistant? Am I doing a good job as an off, like, office manager? Okay, well, I saw this. Like, could you like help me understand? Like, oh, you were this was this would be split in two roles if we were like at a later round. But am I like am I performing enough for like one of these positions, both of these positions? Like at least so that we're on the same page. And then it wasn't like I had asked for more money. I just kind of left it at that. And she and the other founder had come back and just give, gave me that. But I, I mean, I, that was calculated. If I wasn't doing a job, I don't think I would have dared do something like that. Wow. But yeah. 
That's fantastic. Um, so first of all, love that you're asking for feedback all the time. We're going to come back to that. <laughs> and the kind of like balls in your court, you know, kind of just, I don't want to say use your own words against them, but you set up a pretty good case for yourself. Like, hey, I'm doing a good job. You know, that's how I got my last raise. I'd been at the company for a year and I was like, you know, the scope of my role has been expanding. <laughs> <laughs> you know just like um hello <laughs> and my boss was like yeah Carla thank you so much for like advocating for yourself because you know like I forgot <laughs> you know yeah. like, that's basically like she basically said I forgot and I I get it you know like my manager's not thinking about me they're thinking about yeah. themselves so um yeah okay uh so how did you go from uh like executive assistant into like project management yeah um so the startup was really, really cool, but they were just growing really slowly, which I knew from like, I'm in the rooms where they would talk about getting another round and that wasn't going to happen. And we also weren't exploding. Like it, I started, it was like a 20 person company and it stayed a 20 person company when I left. Yeah. And I talked to my manager too, like what, what happens for me after executive assistant? I'm, you're already the CEO. I don't really think there's more. Um, I, like I had seen other people become like chiefs of staff. But again, the staff is 20. So like, I don't, I don't get what's going on here. Um, and I mentioned that being an executive assistant is like being in another relationship. And that's like, that's a lot. Um, work is supposed to be like 40 hours a week. And it's not if you're getting like text messages or like emotional labor <laughs> for supporting your founder. I loved her, but it was just like, I don't know where, how much more I'm going to learn at this place. And what was really cool about that was she also agreed and also helped me look for my next job. Um, I think that's something that I've usually not good advice to tell your manager that you're trying to leave, but I've found that it's only been helpful to me, at least trying to stay in the tech space because of like the network thing. But I figured that more transferable skills, I had been managing projects, like one-off projects. So I thought like getting a project coordinator type role, trying to go to the project manager like route would have been like a good way to just package my skills. So I started looking at project coordinator roles um, and then I landed a job at Intuit on their cybersecurity team. And that one was also a referral. And that one was the small law firm that I worked at, one of the attorney's wives worked at Intuit. So she had like referred my resume and then that kickstarted that whole referral process. And then, so I worked at Intuit for an amount of time. I actually really liked Intuit, but my manager left after three months and I was like, it was such a big company. I'd gone from 20 person company to like, I think they're like 18,000. Um, so I didn't know how to navigate that. And it felt like college again. Um, but I had gotten like the role that like, that was what I wanted to do. And I was doing some projects. Um, but yeah, I was just trying to figure that out. And then at the, like, again, I'm like very unlucky at this, like one year mark, they hadn't hired a manager. So like my team was kind of floating. Um, and I was like, I think I just need to go do something else. Like if this company is like not gonna, and I, I knew at this time I could network. So that was something that I learned, but I had like unsuccessfully networked within Intuit at the time. So was just starting to look for other things. And then I got lucky or unlucky, you can call it whatever you want, but I got poached back by my law firm <laughs> so who had seen that I had worked at tech companies and there was an opening for their tech practice, but to do um, like marketing and business development programs. So while I was in that, like, I'm very open-minded to things right now, the law firm like was like, hey, maybe you should come and work back here. So I did actually like 
end up taking that offer and then I worked for them for another like 15 months. Okay, great. Um, so thank you for, for sharing that. I, you said this a minute ago and I forgot to ask, but can you explain what you mean by the first round just for folks who are not familiar yeah. with the tech and yeah, with the yeah. startups? Yeah, so startups, startups are basically made by a founder who thinks they have an idea. But most of the time, these people don't have money because they, like, they want to employ a bunch of people. So there's rounds of funding that have to happen so that these these people can experiment pretty much with their ideas. So like the first, the well, not the first official round is usually just like friends and family, which they call like angel investors. And then after that, it's um, they're called series and it'll be like A, B, C, D, um, E, F, G. But like E, F, G is usually like companies that actually go public. So um yeah, so that's a round is like when a founder goes on the roadshow to like try and make money so that they can keep working on their hypothesis. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, that is a, a great explanation uh, because before I entered the tech space and even like a year into the tech space, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so this is very, so this is like a relatively new knowledge. So thank you for, for breaking it down. Also, um, there is a lot of Devil Wears Prada references because you said your <laughs> other relationship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what is it like the person whose call you always take? That's the relationship you're in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. So I, another thing you said that getting into Intuit was another referral and then getting poached back, um, you know, so this is the connections that you make. And I think that a misconception that people have is that these connections just like fall from the sky, but they don't <laughs> like, they really, really don't. There is no. a lot of work that comes into like having this, you know, like these relationships. And I have seen you like, I play the corporate game. I'm like, damn, you know? <laughs> um, so can you tell us a little bit about, you know, like how you've been able to be such a connector and to have these meaningful relationships and do it from an, and, you know, have I've seen you do it from an authentic place rather than like other people that are just like totally icky about it. <laughs> um, I think just something that I learned from being like first gen is you're, when you're, whenever you're in a place where you don't understand something, so thanks for bringing up the like series A round thing. Yeah, I always forget. Like, it's so easy to feel othered. And that's just like something I hate, like with a passion. Um, and even like when I have friends meet friends, like I always feel bad when you're like standing in a circle and that one person can't like participate. And I've always appreciated when someone else would just like pull me in or like make it feel comfortable. So for me, that's just something I value. And every time I go into a new space, like I don't want to feel like that. So I always just pay attention to doing that. And it's just lucky that the the work that I do as a project manager forces me to like get groups of people together and get to one, one point of view usually. Um, but yeah, I don't, that's where that like genuine interest comes from because I just personally hate when I don't feel like I'm on a page. And it's usually just, honestly, it's like thoughtless, usually. It's not malicious, it's never malicious. It's just someone not like taking the time. And I I also just like hate work calls or things where it feels very transactional. So like we all know it is transactional, but at least if we can like fake it a little bit, even if it does start with faking it, um, I just think it makes everything go easier. So it's one, a genuine place of like not wanting anyone, someone to feel othered and making, 
whether that's vocabulary or like making sure there's an intro or like you see a person again and being like, hey, <laughs> you told me about that thing that one time, how that how that actually go for you? Because like, I like when people do that for me too. So it's partially selfish, but partially like, I think everyone just enjoys things more when you feel like you're, you specifically are being included. Cause it's like, I mean, it feels really bad when someone also gets you like mixed up with somebody. And it's like, it's quite easy to take notes or like just for your next call, bring something up. So for me, it's just building that in one interaction at a time. Like, I think people feel like networking's icky too, because it feels like you do it one day and then you just get an exchange. And it's never like that. Like, I don't know what kind of friends you're making, but it's not like you put in a coin and it like produces something later. Like, it is definitely like a long game thing to think, be more abundant mindset about your energy and like how much attention you can give a person. But I've always found it pays dividends. Like, again, I hate the freaking cliches, but they're, they're true. Yeah. I mean, I'm here cackling about the whole <laughs> point of networking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to put a coin in this machine and I'm going to pick which results I want. Like, no. And the thing is, some people do approach it like that. And it's yeah. so, so evident. And that's what it gives to the bad rap. But like, you know, I love your be the change approach to networking. It's like, I want to create more inclusive spaces. So I'm going to go out of my way and um and like include people and invite them in and like ask them about that thing that they were in you know um oh my gosh I got back in touch with someone and I remember they had a child and I just couldn't remember like son or daughter and like I for some reason couldn't say like hey how's your kid doing or like, how's, how's your baby doing right? so many gender so many words for like not knowing the gender of their child and I was like how's your son <laughs> they were like I mean my daughter like, Oops. <laughs> yeah. so yeah Oof. maybe take better notes than me <laughs> whatever works um the thing about the intuit person too like I had just met that wife at like a at a work party and talked to her for an hour but I had to like ask her husband if I could talk to her again you know it's like it's also just asking is is super helpful like I think a, a lot of us are connected to people and we don't think one we don't think they'd help us and I'm like why why would you think that <laughs> or I don't know some people will say no but almost every time I've asked someone something they do it like I I don't know there's like all that psychology as well like if you ask someone to do a favor it actually like increases their like perception of you and like how much it helps so I I always just like lean into that and that always helps too you know what? I didn't know that, but that's brilliant. Like yeah. if you ask someone to do something, it makes them feel helpful. Mm -hmm. Like I've yeah. known that. And this is one of the things, like when you ask people for like a coffee chat or an informational interview, like, Hey, can I get 20 minutes of your time? People love talking about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I didn't know that there was this other, like this whole actual proof behind it. Um, so yeah, yeah. thanks for sharing I that. I need to send that to you. But yeah, when I had read that, I was just like, oh, it's like, it's like magic because it's, it fluffs your, e fluffs their ego. Oh, this is a person I want to talk to. And then, yeah, like, and it, that also helps build a relationship. Like, I, I don't know. People feel icky about that as well, but it's like, case in point, we moved to this neighborhood. There's a bunch of other dog owners. Like, it doesn't feel good to ask someone to do something for your dog. Like, please let them out. But like, if you do that once, then like they'll also like feel more comfortable to ask you to do something as well and it's just like just starts the chain but it's like I don't know growing up Asian I think it's like you don't want to be a burden or like be a shame 
So that was like reverse conditioning for me. But yeah, every time I've asked someone to do a favor, I feel like it just like at least creates more of that connection that sometimes you do need a transaction, but the transaction is like what makes it a real connection versus like something like I just talk to you sometimes, but now like I trust you because you like did this thing and we both did this exchange and we're both trustworthy. So yeah, like a very virtuous cycle just needs someone to start it. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. And it is, you know, like it's very much a virtuous cycle and it is because we are built like as humans, we are made to thrive in communities. You know what I mean? Like it's literally impossible for someone to do it all. Like it's literally impossible. <laughs> you know, I keep on wanting to do a podcast episode on all the help I have. You know? <laughs> Like, I know I've made it in my life because someone comes help me clean my house. Yeah. You know? oh. yeah. Yeah. Our cleaner came yesterday and I'm like, yeah, this is great. Like, I don't know why my parents would be like, why would you spend money on it? I'm like, because it's great. It, it really is. <laughs> you know? And so, and yeah, and so like getting out of that scarcity. So, you know, there's like the help that we can hire and, mm. you know, and again, like letting someone into our home, like oh my gosh, like someone is coming to clean my house. Like they're literally <laughs> seeing how dirty I am. <laughs> like that is so the embarrassing. You know? The vulnerability. <laughs> yes, oh my gosh, like it is a lot of vulnerability. Like my face is turning red. But, <laughs> you know, but this is like, this is an entrepreneur who is like, anyway, like it is a virtuous cycle. Like even if we have hired help, you know, but mm -hmm. even like in the workplace, just like reaching out to people. And like, even if it's like asking for a favor, I love how you said that you met, you, you met the attorney's wife at the party, but then you have to like follow up. And that is like a part of it. You know, like I always like before I introduce people, I'm always like, check with both of them. Like, yeah, are y'all okay? cool if I send an <laughs> intro, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah. And, and yeah, like sometimes we, we do need a transaction. Like if, you know, like the person who's going to submit a referral for you, um, they literally get money from it. Like the <laughs> workplace knows it's a transaction, but it's also someone that you, that you are helping. And, and, and it is, I don't know, it's, it's just a really beautiful way of thinking of it's like, it's building community and communities are meant to rely on each other and to help each other. Yeah, I was really grateful to that founder. Um, I had written a bunch of double opt-in intros, but it was because I learned how to do that from that job because she would do them all the time. And I would also see like how to write a good intro. <laughs> like, And I always liked the ones that were like a little more personable because it's just like, and this person loves dogs and you also love dogs. You know, it's just like, it just gives them another thing. And then just like, there's an etiquette to it as well. And then like, you like take yourself off BCC. And like, I didn't know that until like that job. And like, I write intros all the time and it's like super, super helpful. But I think it was also just being exposed to how that founder ran her business. But like I had taken a bunch of that things for myself. And yeah, she also grew her networks with her like venture capital firms and like did a bunch of speaking events. And she was just like always out. She was always out in the open. And I always saw how well that worked for her. So I was like, if that works for her, that could work for me too. It was cool for me to see another woman in a space, you know, like having previously been in like engineering spaces and not, and not being successful for me. It's just like putting yourself out there is also another like virtuous cycle of it gets easier over time. 100%. Like I, yeah, I am a huge believer that it gets easier. You know, like I tell people like go to these events, go like 
ask for that coffee chat. Oh my God, if you were to look at the LinkedIn messages I sent <laughs> when I was first doing this, they were so <laughs> cringe. <laughs> I know, rough. Like sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh gosh, I wouldn't even have replied to me, you know? But I am grateful for the people that who did. And so one thing that I, what we are talking about this is just like, I'm, I'm a huge fan and you know, you are too of like that follow-up and that like mm-hmm. that thank you message. Um, And another thing that you pointed out that I actually have never talked about in the podcast because I kind of forgot that it was a skill until you're saying it right now, (laughs) the double opt-in intro and then sending that intro message. Can you talk about that, please? Yeah. Um, So an example for this is, so the startup was 20 people and you just need to hire things for it. So there would be like a call out on LinkedIn or wherever her network would be. And it would just be like, I'm looking for marketers who do this sort of thing that want to work at a startup. And then most people, like, I don't know, she would get names. And then the double opt-in just means that both sides actually want to meet the other side. So it's basically like you're setting up a blind date and you have to send like, <laughs> I don't know if you watch like Indian matchmaking, but like the bio data. So either resume or like a LinkedIn post. And it's usually like, I usually do mine through text because I'm not that formal or most of my friends, I have like their number and I'll like either send like the LinkedIn, like, Hey, like this, is this mar- the mark like the kind of marketer that you're looking for? Or someone will like reach out to me. And then basically once both parties say yes, usually it's an email. And then it'll be an email with both the people in the two line. Um, I like to do like the the subject line to be like name and then like little brackets or arrows at the other name and then like colon and then whatever the position is. And then the format's usually like, hi, both. And then like, so-and-so meet this person, da-da-da-da, marketer with this experience, da-da-da-da-da. And I like putting like a little personal tidbit. And then the next one will be like, hey, the person that was looking for the hiring thing, this is a marketer that I know from this or this they're like super excited and then I'll leave you two to connect and then like you just do the sign off after that and then the etiquette after that is the person who replies will move the like intro or to BCC to not clog their inbox and then the two of them will like take it off from there beautiful perfect thank you for sharing that because (laughs) yeah like I've done so many of those too and I I I can't believe that in 60 something episodes, I've never <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> but yes, please introduce people to each other, you know, like make sure you get consent. That's what, you know, like that's what the double up 10 means and then say something personal. <laughs> so, yeah. um, okay, great. Now, when I think about when I first realized that I was like, oh my God, I need to get Janzel on the show. It was a, an email that I saw like that. <laughs> um, so I really, so I guess, you know, for context, somebody had referred you to a role and you kind of just shared with me and I saw the amazing way that you presented yourself and told, you know, like shared your career story in that email. And so like that self-advocacy was shining through. And I think throughout your entire, like our entire conversation today, you've talked about ways that you've advocated for yourself in, you know, like throughout your career, you don't get a new job every 15 months just by, you know, like (laughs) relaxing. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about self-advocacy and and how you learn to do that? Yeah. um, So this particular email that you're talking about was, yeah, someone I met through work. Um, This person was running like a mentorship program and I just stayed friends with him after the mentorship program had formally ended. And I live near UCI and this person 
came and did a different event at UCI. So I just went. Um, I'm not saying you have to do the most and go to all the things that you don't want to go to, but I actually like liked the event that he was going to. Um, and yeah, I saw him again after not having worked with him for a couple months. And this person just has like a lot of connections. The job I was trying to get at the time was with Taco Bell Foundation. Um, Taco Bell has like a charity arm that I don't think a lot of people know about, but it was just like a kind of cool job. Um, and it did have like that public service aspect that we talked about at the beginning. And I'd already made friends with this person. But yeah, I saw that he was connected to the Taco Bell folks when I saw this job come up online. I, I reached out to him and said like, hey, this job looks like really cool. Um, would like, is there like a way I could get the intro? And then so he did the, the double opt-in intro. Um, and then so that the email that you're referring to, Carla, is the one that I like was the reply to after the intro. And I, yeah, I've applied for a lot of jobs. And I found like the best way to get a job is either, yeah, have a referral. And then it's, when you have a referral, you don't want to mess it up. So like you got to take all for me. I was like, I do do the most when it's something that I want. So like I looked at the job description. I saw like all the bullets that like matched. And then like I have my career story, obviously, that I know very well. But like I, I basically took the job description and my career like past and just melded it into a very strong like two short paragraphs of like this is the job that you have and this is why I'm perfect for it and that was like the answer that I had done on the BCC and yeah I, I got a couple interviews after that I didn't end up getting the job but it's it's also like good to practice putting yourself in that mindset to like even get you to the interview part because it's like that's that's preparation as well and I've always found that I'm pretty good at speaking extemporaneously but I am so much better <laughs> when I write so I get really happy when I can get like a email intro, like through text, and then I can just be myself on the call after, but have had set up that like foundational, like this girl can do the job, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I, and, and it is practicing pitching yourself, like what, you know, first of all, just like in general, that's really good. And, and you said you have your career story that you know really well, and, and that is a skill and that I, I, it's obviously been crucial in getting you so far and like helping you navigate your career to this point and as you move forward um and I think that you know doing looking at the job description and then you know like looking at your career story and telling you know like a strong two paragraphs that is so much more impactful than <laughs> writing a cover letter yeah like, <laughs> you know, like to anyone listening please do not waste your time writing like <laughs> this fanfic <laughs> for for a, if, like your primary responsibility when you're applying to jobs is to get your resume into the eyes of humans you know and so asking for an intro is definitely um is definitely a way to go and it's it takes practice like it, it very much takes practice because it is a little bit uncomfortable because it is like asking for help or you know in this case this is somebody um you know that you met up with at like the UC Irvine event and that that you were friends with but I've had to ask intros from like, oh man, Strangers. yeah, not, not even, it's like, oh, we had a one class together in college and we added <laughs> each other on LinkedIn because they made us. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, and now you're working there. Hey, I know it's been like 14 years since we spoke. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. And, and I would not have been able to do that if I didn't have the practice of reaching out to the people that I actually was comfortable with. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 
Okay. So, you know, thank you so much. You walked us through your career. You've talked about building relationships and, you know, and like, and advocating for yourself and, and even doing this, like these tasks such as, you know, like that intro email that I can't believe I've never <laughs> talked about here. Um, <laughs> do you have any other advice? Actually, before I get to the last advice part, um, I think that you have multiple times explained how you've been able to like pinpoint your transferable skills and how you're like, all right, so I'm mm-hmm. going to take this transferable skill and take it to over there. Um, any suggestions on how to do that? Or if somebody's like, I don't know what my transferable skills are. I should stop talking like that, but I just, <laughs> I hear that all the time. <laughs> you do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, it's like, two parts I think like the actual like work part of it is it does help to like look at job descriptions um like I I don't know like in the practice of writing your resume I'm like sometimes you do just copy the bullet points that you had seen on your original job and then you kind of like finagle them and, and it gets better every time so I think like looking at job descriptions will help give you like vocabulary for that and then the second I think is is like a mindset thing like like mindset slash being creative about it because it's like okay as an executive assistant I did calendar management but that's also that could be strategy right like I needed to figure out like when my executive had the most energy and it was in the morning or it was after a workout and aren't she actually hates when it's these kinds of meetings so I would put those after energizing meetings so it's kind of like seeing tasks that you would do but maybe what what it might mean and if you and putting them like under themes, like I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's like great advice, but it's like, I think a lot of things are transferable skills. Like my mom, my parents would like host parties for like all of our huge family. That's like event coordination. You know, it's like what I like about being a project manager. I think is I think everything's a project. Like I making an appointment can be a project. Getting a cleaner could be a project shopping oh for a dress for a wedding <laughs> where you were like oh do I know what the theme is do I know where if it'll be in the summer or the fall you know like there's lots of tasks like we do things every day like and those are skills like you might not think they're skills because you do you do them but they're valuable and so like so not only just being creative but like also don't like undersell yourself on like things that you're doing that you might not even notice that you're doing but it is a skill yeah oh 100 percent um the vocabulary and the organizing into themes. That's pretty much like a functional resume. Like a functional resume is instead of like your standard chronological resume, you kind of mm-hmm. highlight the key skills and you are, you know, like if this is, you know, like project management <laughs> and you put all the project management skills on there, that, you know, that resume section. Um, so I, you know, I'm transitioning. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to not trying, like I'm leaving the DEI space and I'm just leaving HR altogether and I am transitioning into like a client facing role. And mm-hmm. so I have to translate my resume from DEI into like client facing. And oh my <laughs> God, this is like the hardest translating I have ever done. <laughs> like I've literally translated from English to Spanish, from Spanish to English, from Portuguese <laughs> to English. And this translating from English to English was the hardest and it was the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, it was like looking at those. I'm like, okay, I know that I have done this. I know I have the skills. (laughs) How do I talk about it using words that they understand? That they care about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That their ATS will pick up. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, all right. Um, so any advice that you might have for, you know, like any first gents who are listening, who don't know, you know, maybe don't know where to go in their career, or maybe they do know where to go, but they don't think they have the skills or honestly, maybe they just want to make more money because it's okay for all of us to be making more money. Yeah, (laughs) totally agree. Um, I think that I've always just kind of leaned into things that I was like curious about and I was open about what that might look like after. Um, When you start having that itch that you're not like fulfilled, um, I think you should listen to that, but also like not take for granted like the areas and the spaces that you're in. Like the last job that I had gotten, I just had an interest in digital marketing because I like to make silly coffee Instagram stories (laughs) of like little reviews. And I was like, I should maybe like figure out some digital marketing stuff. So I signed up for like a night program. And then like that night program was like this first gen thing called co-op. And I got a job board and that led me to my next job. Um, And I think like, you never know, like there, I also like wanted to try technical project management. Um, That's like when you work with like an engineering team and they do like scrum, the vocab, scrum, daily standup, like all of these things. And when I would talk to clients, I just mentioned like, oh, that's like a thing I want to try. And like, that was a different job I got just because I said I wanted to do it. So I think like we get told a lot of times that you have to do things a certain way. But for me, I found that like being open-minded has helped a lot, like being open-minded to what that might look like, because we like careers are long, life, life is long. Um, and we can get hung up on like what we're doing today, but it's all like what, what I said at the beginning, it's like, it's, things are always easier in hindsight, but you can also realize that you've done a lot to get to where you are. So just like taking things too for face value and just like trying to see what you can glean out of a situation, even if it's not, not great. Um, but yeah, and ask. Like the, the thing that I said about like the favor, doing a favor, like asking someone to do it, do a favor, like rejection feels bad, but you'll, you'll be surprised. A lot of people will tell you, yes, it's just that you never ask. So maybe just start asking and see what that does for you. I think that's a really great, like life motto, just like start asking and see what <laughs> <Yeah>. happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. No, that is brilliant career advice. <laughs> just like start asking and see what happens. I think that is a, a great note to close on. Thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for sharing your wisdom, Gentel. Really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Happy to be here. I've been a long time listener, so I'm, I'm grateful to be one of the voices on your show. <laughs> Thank you. And if you're listening to the show and you got something out of it, it would mean so, so much to me if you could screenshot it, share it on your stories and tag me at Carla, the first gen coach, um, because we need to amplify first gen voices. So see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.